Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. I'm Marcy. Marcy, you're back. Yay. We missed you. Was I not here last time? You weren't here last time and the time before last time, Marcy. But wasn't the last time when we had Cooper and Thomas on? You know what? I think you're right. Sorry. I... It, I Marcy, have a it, terrible memory, but I think been... yours is worse today. Oh, you're right. Well, you know what? Perhaps I'm a little bit discombobulated because this is this is this is a big week for us, Marcy. This is it. This is the end of all things. This is yeah. the last week of Roadhouse. And because it's the last week, we have a special guest for our Monday show this week. Um, his name is Sean T. Collins. He's an author of many things. How are you doing, Sean? Can you introduce yourself? I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Sean T. Collins. I'm a writer and television critic uh, for all kinds of places, the New York Times, Rolling Stone, Vulture, Decider. And I am the author of a book about Roadhouse called Pain Don't Hurt, Meditations on Roadhouse. So um, fun. So, and uh, which is which is what, what led me to you. I can't remember exactly how we connected. Um, but if my understanding is that this book contains a collection of essays because you, you wrote an essay about Roadhouse every day for a year. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. It was, um, you know, the kind of thing that sounds easy enough when you, when you say it kind of idly while you're watching Roadhouse for the 50th time. And I was just sitting there one time thinking to myself, man, I could write something about Roadhouse every day and never run out of things to say. And then I kind of sat with it for a second and was like, wait, I really could write a thing about Roadhouse every day and never run out of things to say. <laughs> and I just kind of I just kind of dared myself and 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 did it. Yeah. If you're suggesting that that's an easy thing, Sean, that doesn't sound easy to me at all. I don't think I could write 365 essays about anything. Well, um, they, it, it as it turns out, they weren't all essays I did. Um, I did a lot of essays, yes. I did a lot of close reading in the film. I also did song parodies from the point of view of different characters. I wrote little microfiction essays about the life of Red Webster. Um, I did, it, it ranged all up and down the, the spectrum of things that one can write about a movie. Well, we'll get a chance at the end of this episode to uh, to explore some of maybe your favorite parts. I still need to get my hands uh, on a copy of that book. I'm dying to get that book. There's another book I've been seeing on Twitter a bunch um, from a guy. I think his name is Neil Fisher. Um, he's written a book about uh, Patrick Swayze. It's called Being Patrick Swayze, and I'm dying to get my hands on a copy of that, too. Uh, and you know what, Sean? Because you have such a comprehensive knowledge of Roadhouse, we brought you on for the most exciting minute. We brought you on for Chris. <laughs> um, but actually, so, you know, one might think a whole week's worth of credits is not going to be a much fertile ground. But I actually think this is a perfect minute for you because I've got I sort of I feel like this week is going to be a little bit like, you know, high school yearbook. It's going to be a lot of like, what are your most favorite blank um, and so it'll give you a chance to talk about maybe lots of different parts of the movie. So hopefully that'll work out for you. Cool. Sounds good. But where's my Marcy? Where's my, where are my manners? Um, oh. as for the last time, well, one of the last three times, um, as we pay tribute to our, uh, inspiration, the star Wars minute, this is minute 112 of roadhouse. Wow. Uh, this minute starts with production associates and it ends with the uh, supervising music editor. And there's a whole bunch of credits in between. So 
I have a whole bunch of things written down, and we'll just see how many of them generate interesting conversation, and we'll just oh, edit out all the other parts. Um, that's okay. I mean, one of the things about this these last three minutes that is kind of fun is that it's not just white text on black, right? We started last week with kind of this extended music video for the Jeff Healy band. So if anybody feels like they want to jump in and just, you know, talk about that, Sean, what do you think? So since this is, you're coming on for the first time, what do you think about the Jeff Healy band in this movie? I, I love the Jeff Healy band's contribution to this film. I just think it, uh, effectively, Casting him almost as himself uh, is a great idea. Like, you know, you wanted a, a, a blind white blues guitar player. Well, you got one. Uh, and I just really also love the idea that the Jeff Healy band being the house band of the double deuce is part of what made it the hottest nightclub in all of Missouri. Like people <laughs> were just dying to get out there and dance to like a cover of a Bob Dylan deep cut. I got to see Cody and like what, you know, Marcy, this is a question where this, I can't believe this is minute 112. What do we think the name of this band is? I mean, are people just coming to see like Cody and the Codettes? Like, obviously not. <laughs> like, what is this? What If you all had to pick a name for this band, it's obviously not the Jeff Healy band. What do you think this band is called? I have never thought about that, Roger. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just Cody, whatever. People are just coming to see Cody. Cody think? and the Codettes is tough to top, I have to well, say. Yeah, but they're not women, so that would make a whole lot sure. of sense. That would they're be a usually, It's usually like backup singers that are yeah. going to do the ets, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so let's just go through kind of the, the different parts. This, this, this whole thing has got a lot of kind of technical credits, although there's one part in the middle I'm dying, and I'm so happy that you're here for it, Sean. There's one part in the middle uh, of this minute that I'm dying to talk about. But the first kind of major credit we get is set designer, Mark L. Fabus. And so I'm just curious for each one of you, like maybe what was your favorite set in Roadhouse? Like, you know, place where an, a, st- a scene was staged. Well, I, I think definitely the end where you're in um, Brad Wesley's manor and you get to see all of his taxidermy and also his crazy plant collection. I the, think that is just, it's a gem right the there. Tr- the trophy room. Marcy, you were not here for any houseplants uh, minutes. I know. Do you, do you have like 30, since you're our horticultural consultant, do you have any like 30 seconds about Brad Wesley's houseplants? Well, they, they're just prolific, right? And so I never want to live in a house where, like, there's so much space that needs to get filled up that you think, oh, I should just put a giant house plant there. That just seems awful to me. Um, but I think, you know, in his area, he's got, like, balcony with drooping down house plants and oh, corners, yeah, right. corners that have trees in them and things like that. Um I think it's funny. I don't like it, though. All right. So we got one vote for the trophy room. What about you, Sean? What's your favorite set of Roadhouse? I would have to say, since the trophy room's already taken, I have to say it's Dalton's amazing loft apartment in Um, Emmett's barn. The barn That seems like a great place to live if you don't mind mosquitoes. You you are not the first person to bring that up, that this place must be just a haven for insects. Oh, my God. Huge windows, no screens. screens. Especially when you're sitting out on the post-coitally on the the roof of the barn, (laughs) nude, like... I'm getting itchy just thinking about it. Bugs don't exist in Hollywood. 
that could just, be. <laughs> you know, that's really actually quite funny because um, we've it? been watching Survivor. We're on our second or third season of Survivor that we've been watching as a family. And there's only been one episode where they have shown us the welts and bug bites that these people have. But most of the time you don't see any bugs attacking them. Maybe they found a place that doesn't have insect problems, Marcy. Or maybe when they're doing those testimonials, they like blow wind on them so they don't have like bugs flying around their face. Maybe they found people like you that for whatever reason can generate an anti-insect pheromone. I'm very lucky that way. And one of our children is also, but the other one, not so much. Mm. Uh, Let's see. For me, gosh, I'm going to pick, I'm going to go sort of slightly, I'm going to pick Brad Wesley's pool. Oh, um, with the first party scene? For the pool party scene. I don't mm-hmm. know why that just sort of came to my mind right now. All right. Uh, next person we have is the makeup supervisor, Scott Edo. Um, so, Sean, do you have like a favorite makeup job in Roadhouse? Uh, maybe when uh, – I don't know if this fell under his, this person's purview or what, but when, when Wade shows up all beaten up. He looks very convincingly like something the cat dragged in. So. so are you picking are you picking first Wade when he's been beaten up or second Wade after he's dead? First Wade when he's been beaten up, because he's still mobile and you can still kind of get a sense of him as a living, breathing person, you know. That that's a good choice. What about you, Marcy? Favorite makeup job? You know, I initially thought, well, there's no makeup in this movie because I what? wasn't thinking I wasn't thinking about people's bruises and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and would blood be considered makeup as well? Marcy, every single actor in this movie is wearing makeup when they're on set. Yeah, but it's like natural look though. Okay. Anyway, what's your, what's your pick? Best makeup job. I don't have a good answer for that because I was like totally off in left field. What about you, Roger? I'll pick either Dalton or Jimmy in their apocalyptic final fight scene. I think, uh, I don't think, I do not think this guy is responsible for the prosthetic throat. Um, but I do think just sort of the, the, the destruction of their, especially their faces over the course of that fight is is pretty good. That's a good one, Raj. That's good. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So I think that there's a good warm up um, for what I've been really looking forward to in this minute, Marcy, because we have our, my man, hairstylist, Paul Abascal. And what I would like to do is to just decide once and for all who has the best hair in Roadhouse. And the, the way we're going to do it. So here I'll make it easier for you all. Um, we're going to do this in sort of a, a March Madness style bracket um, I have given you eight choices, and I've seeded them for you. Um, and so we'll go through each each matchup. And if there's a if if you two are split, then I'll break the tie. Um, but let's let's see if we can figure out who has the best hair in Roadhouse. Um, are you all ready, Sean? You ready for this? Very ready. All right. Mm-hmm. So okay. So here we go. Our number one seed uh, is obviously Dalton, um, and I have him up against our lowest seed in the bracket, which is Brad Wesley. He's our number eight seed. Oh. So between between Dalton and Brad Wesley, who has the best hair in Roadhouse? Sean, who do you think? Oh, you got to go with Dalton. I mean, okay. that's, that's that's easy. 
he's a number one seed. So this could be, this could be a walkover. Um, some of these might be pretty obvious. What about you, Mars? Also Dalton. Okay. Wesley here. Wesley's just gross. It's not good. That's Hey, that's why he's an eight seed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's maybe this one. I don't know if this one will be any harder. Um, number two is doc. Uh, and she's going to square off in this first round against our number seven seed, Carrie Ann. Um, Marcy, oh, what do you think? Man. Doc versus Carrie Ann. Let me just let me just leaf through my people. Oh God, Carrie Ann's hair is so terrible. It's uh, I don't it's know. It's like what she, a it's like a sloped bowl cut. She looks like a, a medieval page. But you know how much I've hated <laughs> Doc's hair, so this is hard for uh, me. Well, you have to make a choice. Oi, well I'm gonna pick Doc. Okay, what about you, Sean? Uh, I have a big crush on Carrie Ann, so that's tempting. <gasps> You're the second person to say that on our podcast. (laughs) I hope I'm in good company. No, Uh, we we have not had kind words for Carrie Ann over the course of this podcast. I'm not going to lie to you. Do you like her singing, Sean? Did you? Absolutely. It's oh, fun. man. Wow. 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 <laughs> Marcy, I got to pre-screen our guests better. That, yeah. That's okay. You're you're not the first person to say that, Sean. You're both wrong, but that's okay. That's but okay. We're not talking about her singing. We're talking no. about her hair. So Doc versus Carrie Ann, who do you choose? In this case, I have to go with Doc. I think her hair is fun. Like, she has that very <laughs> tight braid, and then when the braid comes out, her hair kind of curls and fans out to the side like um one of those oh, barbies man. with elaborate hairstyles when like a little girl would undo the barbie hairstyle and it would just kind of stick out the front of, of it head. the front of it goes up by about four inches too it's, it's remarkable it's she's remarkable. a little bit like fletch okay yeah. so <laughs> so that's a so okay so our top two seeds are through safely okay so this is where i think things are going to get a little bit harder when we get into mm. the middle of the bracket so you really have to kind of buckle down make a strong choice here okay our number three seed is Wade, yes. and he squares off in this bracket against our number six seed, Jimmy. So, uh, Sean, if you had to pick between Wade and Jimmy, who is your choice for best hair? Got to go with Wade. Got to go okay. with Wade. All right. Maybe I just seeded this bracket too well. Anyway. Wade Mar- is definitely my choice, too. Uh, okay. All the right. man ties it up in an old man bun. He He... he can't be pulls beat. it together with a rubber band. It's fantastic. I don't know. It's, All it's, right, it's like a samurai. It's great. I was, yeah. I was kind of rooting for Jimmy to be like a Cinderella story here, but you've knocked him out in the first round. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, we only have two left. This, this will probably be the hardest one of all. We'll see. This is our number four versus number five seats. We have number four Denise hmm. going up against number five Morgan. Ready for Barber College, Marcy? What's your choice, Morgan. Denise? Denise versus Morgan. Man. I'm going to pick Denise because that the amount of Aquanet that woman put in her hair has got to be recognized. It took a lot to make it that fluffy and big and hold in that, in that particularly helmet shape. Okay. Sean and you, Denise versus Morgan. This one really is difficult. Like I'm very tempted to go with Morgan just as a wrestling guy, just to honor the Funker and, and that amazing head of curls that he has you certainly but, can but can i go can i in good conscience vote against denise who clearly put more care and attention as a character into her hair than any other character <laughs> with the exception possibly of dalton but dalton just breaks up that oh, i was gonna say dot all right well, so what's your choice sean you gotta make a choice i'm going with denise gotta go with denise yeah De- 
So, okay, wow. There have been, there've, I haven't had to break any ties so far. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so all of our topsies have advanced on to the next round. I hope that this isn't just going to be uh, just uh, the, the favorite wins every time. We'll have to see. Second round, we got four left. We have Dalton versus Denise. Marcy, you have to choose. Hmm. Dalton versus Denise. I'm going to pick Denise because there's no time. Number one seat goes down. There's no time at which um, her hair is not pristine. Um, Whereas Dalton's gets so messed up when he gets sweaty. Yeah, but to be fair, Denise isn't like literally fighting to the death. I know when it, when his hair is wet and sweaty and limp, it does not look great. All right, Sean. Wow. Okay, no pressure. I, I, you need to vote your own conscience here. Dalton versus Denise, who has the best hair. Pains me to say it, but I think I have to go with Dalton. Ooh, okay. With Dalton. Wow. I so, mean, okay. So, for the first time, I, I guess I have to step in. Um, I'm going to pick Dalton. Sorry, Marcy. I'm going to pick Dalton because I feel like he's got to work a little harder. Um, and Denise is, you know, her her hair is unruffled uh, and she probably doesn't have to fix it after getting in gigantic melees and fights. Okay. On the other side of the bracket, we have uh, Doc versus Wade, maybe even harder. Sean, if you had to pick between Doc and Wade, who would you pick? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think... I think I'm going to go with Wade because just thinking of the characters as the sex symbols that they are, I think people like Doc despite her hair. <laughs> people like people like Wade in large part because of his hair. So I'm going to go with Wade. Before we get to you, Marcy, so since this might be the last time we get a chance to talk about her on this podcast and our first time with you, Sean, do you have sort of a what's your quick take on Kelly Lynch and Roadhouse? I think she's good. I think she seems like she's having a decent time, particularly, you know, when they're out carousing until the, until she has to get up to go to surgery in two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I like her. I think, I think she's fun. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know if I have really any deep thoughts about the performance. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that's fair. That in itself might be, a comment on the performance, but we'll see. Mm. Um, okay, Marcy, what do you think? Um, um, Doc versus Wade. Wade. I'm picking Wade too. All right. Okay. So, so we have our first upset of the day. Wade upsets Doc and comes through. So, wow. So this is, this is, this is pretty intense. This is the the student versus the teacher. So we're down to Dalton, our number one seed. Versus Wade, our number three seed, who has the best hair in Roadhouse. Marcy, I'm coming back to you again. Now, this is hard because they both have some very good hairs, hairdo <laughs> moments, hairs, like um, and some very, very bad. But I think overall, I would pick Wade over Dalton because I am not a mullet fan. Whoa. I don't like a mullet. I feel like this is the first time you're expressing this on our podcast, Marcy. Well, it's the you're truth. saving up. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> you were worried about, you know, what it might have done to our ability to podcast. You just saved it up until the last Yeah, week. I don't really appreciate the resurgence of the mullet in today's society either. I'm not a huge fan of what I'm seeing out of that. Um, yeah, so I'm not a mullet fan. 
A man right, bun, though. That's All right, Sean. Dalton versus Wade. Who's it going to be? I have to go with Dalton. I just keep coming back to, in the very first, um, Mike Nelson from Mystery Science Theater 3000, who kind of turned me on, I guess, to Roadhouse in a way. Uh, in the very first riff tracks he did on the movie, when you, the first time you get a good glory shot of Dalton, he's like, wow, feathered hair and a mullet. His hair came to play. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's how I feel about it. Like, that's a serious hairstyle. So I'm going with Dalton. Wow. One, oh, so I, I have to be the final decider here about who has the best hair in Roadhouse? Yeah. Gosh. You know, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm sorry, Sean. I, I think I'm going to go with Wade as well. Um, just because I think, I feel like his, his hair has more uh, work to do. Um, and it's, 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 it's doing more for his look than Dalton's hair is doing for Dalton's look. Cause you know, everything else with Dalton is just sort of like this chiseled Adonis and Wade is, you know, don't get me wrong. Wade is certainly handsome, but I feel like the hair is more of Wade's look than it mm -hmm. is of Dalton's look. So, so, okay. So there it is. So, uh, so Wade is our winner of our March Madness style best hair bracket, um, how do we feel about that? Are we okay with that decision? I mean, I feel like either one is probably a good choice. I feel great about it. <laughs> I, <laughs> you would. I respect the decision of the judges. Oh, I appreciate that. Okay, a <laughs> couple more. So uh, just a couple more names I want to pick out from the credits. Um, the next one I feel like we can't pass over is weapons specialist Michael Papak. Whoa. So uh, I was just curious if you all had any. So I have two questions. One, what's your favorite knife in the movie? This movie has knives and it has guns. So in terms of knives, you know, we have Tinker's knife, uh, knife, the little switchblade. We got Pat's crocodile Dundee knife. Uh, we have Loudmouth, uh, the guy who, um, you know, uh, pulls a switchblade on Hank. Uh, and then, of course, there's Ketchum's knife um, with, the, with the quarter in the handle. So what's, uh, what's your favorite knife in Roadhouse, Mercy? Well, you didn't include the boot knife. You know what? I forgot about that. Okay, so we have five knives. I like that one because it, although the other ones you mentioned are interesting, that one is just wildly interesting. That's fun. Do you have any more about that? You were not, uh, you weren't lucky enough to join us for those minutes. You have any other no. thoughts about having a knife in your boot? You know, it's kind of curious. I wonder how it functions. If you've got to like toe, you know, point point your toe at the person to kind of get a good stabbing in, um, or if it's just like a slicing kick kind of thing. Um, so I, you know, I have a lot of questions about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Our our son Andrew was talking to us today about how great it might be to have a prosthetic hand that you could just. <laughs> switch out to be a knife or a pen or you know i don't think he realized at the time that that required amputation stick with what you got sean sean what about you what's your favorite knife in roadhouse and i will allow ketchum's boot knife if you want to go that way i have to vote against the boot knife simply because it's so impractical <laughs> like he has to get his leg when he uses it he has to get his leg all the way up to dalton's head and not only dalton it gives him ample time to intercept that leg. So that's that's right. And not only that, but as soon as it gets ripped off your foot and thrown on the roof, it's like not even part of the equation. 
then you're in trouble. So I'm going to go with Pat's enormous, ridiculous knife that he whips out as if he, like, as if he just had it in his back pocket and just takes it out. And it's like, it's like a machete. Yeah. We were huge. uh, We were wondering when we recorded those minutes, like where exactly he keeps that knife. Uh, It's (laughs) it's not, it's not subtle. No, no. And, uh, it changes the tenor of the conversation in a way that I think, uh, is very impressive. So I'm going with that knife. And so my other question is, what's your favorite gun in the movie? There's lots of guns in this movie um, that are bad guys wield at various moments. Sean, do you have a favorite firearm? I don't think I have one specific gun per se. I just really enjoy the part where all of the goons are firing at Dalton's oncoming car at once, and they just seem to be having the time of their lives firing guns. And it's like, well, good for you guys, I guess. But, you know, you, you have about two minutes to live. So enjoy yourselves. <laughs> what about you, Marcy? Um, I really like Brad Wesley's tiny gun. <laughs> wait, wait. So Brad Wesley has several tiny guns. Are you talking yeah. about the tiny gun he fires into the ceiling of the double deuce to end the fight with between Wade and Jimmy? Or are you talking about his even tinier Derringer that he pulls out of his boot to the try very, to kill Dalton? The very tiny Derringer. You like the Derringer? Well, it's so ridiculous. Like, it, you have this man that's supposed to be the villain of the whole movie, and he brings out this tiny, tiny gun. Would anything possess you to carry a Derringer in your purse, Marcy? No. Okay. I mean, well, I, didn't think you, I mean, like, that's what, what that's what Derringers are kind of designed for. In what circumstances am I going to feel like I need to kill somebody else? Because that's basically the line, right? When that's you. Fair decide that well for me i guess i'm not i'll speak for myself if i decide that i'm going to carry a weapon that can hurt kill somebody else i need to be in a state of threat murderous rage threat level a hundred thousand yeah i need to kill people i will just put in one quick vote so sean i'm gonna i'm gonna steal from your scene a little bit i think my favorite gun in this movie is pat the bartender's shotgun because it also doubles as a back scratcher. <laughs> I never thought yeah, that, that was a possibility rush. until I watched those minutes. Um, but if you get one with a, it's like a, it's a shotgun, but it has a pistol grip, which is also really weird. Um, and the way that he uses his shotgun is, is it's a work of art. Um, okay. So a couple more people uh, we've got our, so then we get to sort of into wardrobe. So we've got our costume supervisor, Barry Delaney, a woman's set costumer. I don't know why you split these people up. Barbara Siebert Boltikoff and men's costumer, Michael J. Vote. Um, so speaking of vote, um, I would like each one of you to tell me um, what your favorite outfit is for Doc um, Sean, you don't know this yet, maybe, but uh, on all the minutes where we've seen Doc for the first time coming on a scene, we like to play this game called Rate That Lynch Look. Um, <laughs> so we've been dissecting her appearance throughout the course of the movie. I'd like to hear from each one of you what your favorite outfit was for Doc and your favorite outfit for Dalton. Marcy, you oh, go first. Oh, wow. Can I? I need a minute, Roger. That's a big question to all right. ask. Well, me let about... me turn to the person who's written over 350 essays about Roadhouse. Sean, what's your favorite look for Doc and your favorite look for Dalton? My favorite look for Doc, and favorite is a word, I guess I could also say the funniest look for Doc is the gingham dress. That thing yeah. is amazing. Wait, is um, that is that the white lacy one? No, it's the one that's uh, the white and red check pattern, like a like oh. a tablecloth. It's at, that, like That's a, what she calls it, actually. Picnic. So 
Kelly Lynch has called that her tablecloth miniskirt dress. <laughs> well, it, 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 you know, if the it shoe fits. fits or if the dress fits, I guess. Okay. And what about for Dalton? Dalton, I just like that he rocks his his gi, his like karate <laughs> as a regular shirt that he wears out in public, you know, it's, when he's it's, not doing karate. So cool. it's a gi shirt tucked into blue jeans. That's a look. That's I mean, a look. It says something. I don't, it's like, I, it's like, I'm ready to throw down if I, if need be, but I want to be stylish at the same time. Yep. All right, okay, Mars. I'm what ready. about you? Um, so I really like Dalton's when he's doing his, um, his rules and he's got on his oh, mini old. mock black t-shirt. All, all in Ooh, black. Yeah. That's a, that's a good choice. The mini mock. Um, so I like that quite a lot. I also, I gotta admit, I know I hate pleated pants in general, but I whoa, like whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, Marcy. I like whoa. His whoa, Marcy. Whoa. Don't, don't say, pants. don't say something right now that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. Cause it's going to be on, on the internet. I like his white pleated pants. Sean, Marcy just said out loud into a microphone that she likes pleated pants. Okay, no, keep going. These specific ones. <laughs> That's what I heard. And I can I can edit this audio however I want to. In the movie that I don't have to live with or suffer through in real life. None of these words are actually making it into the final episode. <laughs> All we're gonna hear is I like Dalton's pleated pants. I like Dalton's pleated pants. Are you pants. talking about like those blousey pleated pants he wears like when he's up in New York at the very beginning of the yes, movie? Yes. Yeah. They're like white or something. He looks sharp. Do you think do you think that the double deuce staff would have looked better if they had gone with that sort of black ninja look instead of the red shirts? If it had I been like black? The the bright red shirts are stupid. Okay. Yeah. And how about for Doc Mercy? Who's your um, favorite doc? I one? really like the when they go out on their double date with Wade and they you know, he Wade dances with her in that diner and she's got just kind of like that white blouse on and the flowery white or flowery dark um skirt i think she looks really cute yeah I agree um, there's a lot of terrible outfits there but i think that one looks normal <laughs> and, and also kind of cute giving her points for normal i think she looks pretty cute in that too yeah Okay, uh, I'm just going to kind of point out without dwelling on it that this is also the minute where we get to see perhaps the best credit in the whole set of credits, which is this guy named Tommy. He's the, the property master is named Tommy, Tom in quotes, Tomlinson. So Tom, triple Tommy. T for him. Okay, so we've got some, now we're going to get to a couple of big names. I feel like maybe... Sean, you might want to talk about some of these folks for a little bit. So then we're going to get to our stunt coordinator, who's uh, Charlie Paterni, and our martial arts technical advisor. That's his title, Benny Urquidez. So, Marcy, we've talked about Benny Urquidez in previous minutes. He's sort of the big the big mm -hmm. fight scene or the martial arts person. Um, Sean, what are your thoughts about just kind of the, the stunt work and or the martial arts uh, work from these two guys? Um, it's incredible in this film, and I mean that like very sincerely and not at all ironically. And I think one of the reasons why the movie works so well for people is that um, when it comes to the fight scenes, it's kind of like deadly serious. And then I, I don't mean that that like you know, with the exception of the Jimmy fight, they're all kind of like fun fights. They're not intense the way that one is. But the stunt work is just remarkable. I mean, you have all these people getting punched in the head and thrown through tables and slammed around and you know the first any time i show anyone roadhouse 
for the first time, which has happened a lot. I'm that kind of person. <laughs> um, it's you know that that huge fight that breaks out uh, in the bar when Dalton first shows up and sort of takes in the lay of the land. Like people can't believe how elaborate and insane that fight is, and you really don't see that very much anymore because um, things are so CGI heavy and fight choreography is a lot kind of smoother now as the influence of um like basically wire foo came in this is going back 20 years now and, and i think you don't really get those real kind of slobber knockers anymore and uh it's really impressive and then benny Orquidez, to the extent that he choreographed the jimmy and dalton fight at the lakeshore which is legit one of my favorite fight scenes of all time um the, the, the just amazing work uh it's really really impressive from top to bottom i think yeah 100 percent. i mean i think i think that's the big reason why one of the big reasons why this movie holds up is that they hired people who could pull off fight scenes and then they they trust them to like be on camera for extended periods of time right i mean you don't get you know like a cut every second and a half Right. Um, these scenes are are allowed to play out, and most of these actors know what they're doing. I do know that that Benny Arquita has worked for a pretty long time with Patrick Swayze to sort of help refine his his martial arts work. Um, and Charlie Petrini is, I mean, he's a legend. Like he's he's been the stunt coordinator on on so many movies. Um, and I, I I totally agree with you that he does a he does a fantastic job. Okay, we can probably go through the rest of the, some of these names pretty quickly. I just want to point out we have our guy Al Desero. So uh, Pete the Retailer, when he came on on minute ten, Marcy, he was the one who said that the only person in common between the Star Wars movies and Roadhouse is this guy Al Desero, um, who also is—I mean, he's listed in the credits as special effects supervisor, but his job in particular is pyrotechnics. Yeah, I remember so, you saying that. He's the person. So, so Sean, if, I, I'm sure you know that in Roadhouse, everything goes up with the fire of a thousand suns, and that's due yes. to our, this guy, Al Desero. According to according to Pete, that's that's what he does. That's what he's good at. Boy, is he ever! I mean, everything explodes. Dalton's car explodes. Like it's rigged. Like like he has a trunk full of nitroglycerin. Hmm. Uh, Emmett Shack explodes like maybe he's got a meth lab in there <laughs> and that explains why he doesn't need to charge Dalton for more than a hundred dollars a month for rent because he's got a whole extra stream of uh income coming in <laughs> it's and then Red Webster's auto supplies I mean that thing that is that's maybe what's one of the biggest explosions I've ever seen in a movie when that store blows up I remember hearing it's so fun to have you on this pod on this this minute tonight, Sean, because unsolicited, you're basically offering confirmation for so many of the theories that we've had as we've been attempting to kind of reconstruct the backstory. So we're all convinced that Emmett is into something illegal. Um, for sure. And that his horse, quote unquote, horse farm is really just a front for, you know, moving something shady out the back in the commentary. Uh, for Roadhouse, uh, the director, Rowdy Harrington, he he says on several occasions, like, yeah, these explosions ended up being quite a bit bigger than we had sort of thought they were going to be. And I think you get those, you get that <laughs> reaction, you get that honest reaction from the actors in those scenes. Like Kelly Lynch, when that, when Emmett's farmhouse goes up, she looks genuinely shook. Yeah, she yeah. does. And I, I think that's probably why. 
All right. Um, let's see. I don't have too much else. Um, construction coordinator Michael A. Muscarello. Uh, I'm. I am hoping that this is the person that ended up building for us our double deuce and our Reds auto parts. Sean, did you know that those exterior shots of the double deuce and Reds are fake buildings? I think I knew that. I think so. There's like I think stands stands to reason. Like there's no building behind those buildings. It's just like it's like an old west set. That kind of explains a lot because it's a very strange neighborhood when you sit and think about the neighborhood in which <laughs> the double deuce and 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 reds are located. Because it's just like a bunch of dirt, and then in the distance there's a boat store. Yeah, I, you know, like Marcy is. Marcy has pointed out on previous minutes that these two places do appear to be on the edge of the edge of town. Yes. Yes, yeah. very much so. <laughs> I, I don't want to I don't want to sleep on the band too. I feel like the, this is this is the minute where we really get to see this the the drummer. Um his name is Tom Steven. He's really working his drum kit there. He's really the drummer for the Jeff Healy band. So, he's doing a nice job in this minute. Um so Marcy, I warned you that this was going to happen. Sean, I I didn't uh, for you, because this is going to be something where Marcy and I look back on what we've done. But Marcy and I have enjoyed playing this game over the course of the movie called crowd surfing, where there's so many scenes, especially in the double deuce, but not only in the double deuce, where there's like a whole bunch of extras. And mm-hmm. in those in those minutes, we have picked out, you know, like one extra that just kind of looks weird or or that, or that we enjoy. They don't have to look weird. They just have to be someone weird. that we enjoy. Sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we pick out an extra that we especially enjoy, and so we've done that a bunch of times. Uh, and I warned Marcy that I was going to do this. So, since we have our extras casting credit in this minute, um, Bess Gilbert and Carl Joy, uh, Marcy, do you have anyone in particular? Like, who is your who is your Roadhouse crowd surfing MVP? Well, I mean, this person, like, I don't think they're completely strange just kind of what they do is weird there's like this scene um maybe it was when denise is up on the stage and over on the right hand side there's this dude that's watching her and like a pillar in the way of the person Uh and i don't know it's just kind of like funny how he's like trying to get his body around the pillar so he can see denise i think that might be the same the same scene but i'm not sure if i've put two things together that don't belong do you remember that person i'm talking about i think i know who you're talking about it's just some dude like that's up on stage left um, yeah up on that mm-hmm. little platform type area when denise is doing her yeah her sex he's just kind of silly i don't know is that the person from whom she borrows a hat uh no he's just kind of in the other area hmm. oh and i also i don't know I was really captivated by when we have the double deuce kind of opening again. And remember, we talked a lot about what the people in the line outside the double deuce were wearing. Yeah. And like how some of them are on full on winter coats and like Amish prairie girl outfits. (laughs) Where it's like a dress down to the ankles and and then there's other women that are just like in short mini skirts. It's a very hodgepodge. Like like they didn't cast well for these extras and they or they didn't tell them what kind of show they were coming for or they just grabbed extras off of everybody else's set and they're like a few from the winter set and a few from the like 
modern mall set. I don't know. Well, it's this so strange. Uh, yeah, but this that scene was shot on location, so they weren't just going to like grab people off of the UA lot. This oh. is up in Fresno. These people these people came out specifically to be in this shot, and they did not have any direction as to what to wear. No, not it's at all. Crazy. So those are my two. I'm going to pick. So it's hard to pick because they're all so great. I'm going to pick Marcy. I don't know if you remember uh, kind of way back in sort of early double deuce days when there's not a whole lot going on in the club. There's a guy who's dancing in one of those early dance scenes. He's completely bare chested and like <laughs> his, his, his pecs can cut glass. Oh, Jesus. And he does this, he has this dance move where it's just like left peck, right peck. Left peck, right peck. Do you remember the guy that I'm talking about, Marcy? No. Do you oh, know where? What I, minute was I don't it? know the exact minute. I didn't prep for that. No. Um, Sean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but are there any particular extras or any scenes with extras that you especially enjoy? Well, you actually stole mine. The shirtless yokel was going to be my choice. Oh, I really love it. Uh, right? Well, you know what? You, know, you can feel free to ex- expound on that or pick somebody else if you want well, to. Well, I think he's hitting, tugging on my heartstrings because he's a big, tall, blonde, shirtless guy who dances awkwardly. So it immediately makes <laughs> me think of Rocky Horror from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. And I think that won me over. But he yeah. also um, warps time and space because when Dalton first shows up at the Double Deuce, he walks past that line of bikers who do not factor into the rest of the film at all, who badmouth <laughs> his foreign car. And the mm-hmm. shirtless yokel dude is one of them, He, but he's not shirtless. Wait, and really? Then he, yeah, yeah, he's he's one of the extras who's dressed like a biker for that little bit. And then Dalton goes inside, and of course, somehow, this man has taken off his shirt and made the transition to the inside of the bar quicker than Dalton could. It's really, really uh, I, remarkable. I never noticed that. That's that's the kind of thing that I probably would have would have picked up on and written about on like the 340th day of my year <laughs> of writing about Roadhouse. So that's probably a good transition. Sean, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your project, uh, about your collection of essays about Roadhouse? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I did that thing where I wrote about Roadhouse every day for a full year in 2019. And uh, it was easily one of the most ambitious I mean, easily the most ambitious writing project I ever set for myself. And uh, it was fun. It was not difficult. And I and I, I did it under all kinds of circumstances. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times it was easy, but I did it in like hospital waiting rooms. You know, when the deadline was tick, tick, ticking, I was like, well, better break out the laptop and do the writing or else it's not going to get done. Um, and it was just a fun way for me to dig into this kind of dopey movie that I adored I had never really um I don't think I'd ever really thought about it critically before beyond the fact that it was just so interesting like every time I would watch it I'd notice some new detail or some new nuance in the way that one of the non-actors who deliver lines deliver lines in this movie um and it also like holds a place uh that's very dear to me in my heart I used to work at um a magazine called Wizard, which was sort of like Entertainment Weekly, but for comic books, mostly superhero comic books. And that's when I first saw Roadhouse is all of us got together and we had like a a movie night where we watched Roadhouse, The Warriors, and The Road Warrior. So it was like, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. (laughs) And um, that was my first viewing of Roadhouse. This is going back to 2005. But a lot of the guys that I watched it with um, had only ever seen it uh, on 
you know, commercial cable. So there was all kinds of lines of dialogue, like Jimmy's line in the fight and nudity and violence that they had never seen before. And it was so I had my mind blown just from watching it the first time. And uh, I was surrounded by guys who loved it, but were also having their minds blown by watching it for the first time, like as the actual rated R version of the movie. Hmm. And it's one of my favorite movie watching experiences of all time. So I kind of just got to recreate that sensation for myself over and over again for 365 days, which was a blast. Oh, that's. And then I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Just when it was finished, um, months later, a friend of mine was like, you know, are you interested at all in putting this out as a book? And he was like, I'll take care of all the, you know, I'll do all the heavy lifting. Um, you just need to go through the files and we'll edit it and, you know, put it together. And so that, you know, my friend put it out through his vanity press and um, I got in touch. I don't remember, actually, if he got in touch with me or I got in touch with him. But the film and television critic Matt Zoller cites, who uh, whose work I really admire, um, he was the, he's a television critic for Vulture and New York Magazine, and he's the head film critic for RogerEbert.com, and he has a bookstore for film and art books that he just runs out of his garage, and so we kind of printed to order for him, and it sold through the first printing, and then we did a second printing, and. Um, it did very well for him, which was exciting because it wasn't cheap. It's not a cheap book because uh, it's huge. And so like, just to cover the cost, it's like relatively expensive. And um, yeah, I, it, it was the publication of the book was really kind of serendipitous. And But I'm really glad it exists in this big doorstop format um, because it, it meant a lot to me to do. What's... Uh... What's something that you kind of realized about Roadhouse, having to dissect it so much, you know, going through that process that you hadn't really thought about before? Just, I'm sure there were dozens of things, but give us an example of kind of one thing that that you that you know now that you didn't really think about before you started that project. Um, it was made by like a really crack team of people who make action movies and science fiction movies and just you know general sort of action adventure blockbusters from that time period and I, i'm i'm trying to flip through my book as quickly as i can to find where i named the people who were involved and i'm forgetting no you're but, right i mean you know you just you can just start with like people like cinematographer dean cundy boom yeah um you know the editor frank uriosti i mean there are so many people on this movie who are academy award nominated uh like filmmakers yeah, it's nuts when you think about like what these people um, were responsible for outside of Roadhouse. Because it always been my contention that like Roadhouse is a quote unquote bad movie, um, but it's exceptionally well made. Like it's it's not um, the kind of movie that you see on Mystery Science Theater three thousand, generally speaking, which where like the incompetence is a big part of what makes it funny. Like this is an extremely competently made movie. It just, the dialogue is wild and the concept is crazy, a famous bouncer. But yeah, I mean, you know, just, I found it. Um, the editors, Frank J. Urias and uh, John F. Link, they did Die Hard, Robocop, Predator, Commando, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Tombstone. It's nuts. 
Um, and Dean Cundy, yeah, who framed Roger Rabbit, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, The Fog, which is, I think, John Carpenter's prettiest movie, Escape from New York. Like, it's, this stuff is like a murderer's row Yeah, in Road, both cases. Roadhouse is a B movie, but it was made with an A-list like crew. That's a great way to put um, it, yeah. That's what happens when, you know, a, someone like Joel Silver throws all their weight behind, you know, trying to make a project good. He did a damn good job, I think, yeah, you know? No kidding. Are there any other movies for which you think you would go through this uh, this this level of scrutiny? Oh, boy. You know, I mean, this was really kind of like the perfect movie for this project insofar as it's not a movie that is generally taken seriously. So I didn't need to worry about like being scooped, so to speak by like other work (laughs) on the film, you know, like there really wasn't much. Um, So, you know, I mean, I could try to think of movies like that. I'm super familiar with, like, it would just be very different to do this about lost highway or the Lord of the Rings movies or Barton Fink or um, Hellraiser or, you know, other movies that I love and have seen a million times, it would just be very different. I've, I thought briefly about maybe doing it with the lost boys, Mm. which has a similar vibe and came out at a similar, you know, you know, within a couple of years of roadhouse. Uh, But I, I don't know. Roadhouse is something unique about roadhouse that, that lent itself to this ridiculous project that I did that I don't think I can replicate. It, it's probably a unicorn. This is probably a once in a lifetime experience for you as this podcast about roadhouse. It could, could very well be a once in a life experience for uh, at least, at least for you, Marcy. I don't know. Maybe yeah. probably not for me. Cause I'm just a little crazy that way, but <laughs> um, well, Sean, we've really enjoyed having you on our podcast before, before you go. Uh, I mean, is there anything else uh, about roadhouse that you want to make sure you get a chance to, put out into the internet on this crazy podcast that we're doing? Sure. I dedicated the book to Patrick Swayze and I, um, you know, I, I became a fan of Roadhouse before he died. And uh, while he was sick, um, my friends from this old job and I got together and did another movie marathon and we all pitched in to, you know, f- funds for research into pancreatic cancer, which is uh, ultimately what killed him, unfortunately. And I really, um, I just find him so lovable as a person, as an actor and as a character in this film. And so I always like, you know, I always want to say like this one's for Patrick. Anytime I talk about roadhouse, like, um, his, his, his life and times really moved me. So, yeah. 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 That's well said. I was just looking up, but he would, he would have been turning 70 exactly this year. Man. Um, and he, uh, it's, it's too bad that, you know, cause if, if they had ever gotten a, around to remaking Roadhouse, you, Sean, did you know there's a rumored remake of Roadhouse out on, out I, on the internet? Yes. Yes. I remember they were supposed to make it with Ronda Rousey and then that kind of went right, badly up. There's a new rumor. Have you heard a new the new one? one? Right? Yeah. 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 With, uh, it's supposed to be directed by Doug Lyman starring Jake Gyllenhaal, um, which I'm there for. I think that'd be great if that ever happens. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, Patrick Swayze, if if he had been around uh, when you know when there had maybe been the possibility to remake it, it would have been really great to have him sort of be the 
in the Wade role, maybe. Um, oh man, yeah, absolutely. That would be fun. We were we were actually talking. We were lucky enough to talk to Marshall Teague for like a whole hour a couple of weeks ago. Um, who's Jimmy, obviously, and yeah, we were we were saying to him, you know, hey, if they ever remake Roadhouse, like you, it would be so it would be such a such an inspired casting choice to like bring him in in like the Wade role. I think that would be fantastic. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, it would be but nice if they. He was dead in the movie. That would be hard to pull off. No, but he it wouldn't be Jimmy coming back on the movie. It would just be Marshall Teague playing. Oh, I see. I see. Whatever. Maybe you could get like a, a. Maybe you could get like an Obi Wan style Force Ghost of Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. That would be fantastic. Well, Sean, can you just remind us again of the the title of your book before we have to say farewell? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, the book is called Pain Don't Hurt. Meditations on Roadhouse, and I should plug the store where you can get it. It's at mzsworldstore.com. Matt Zollersites is the person who runs it, so it's mzsworldstore.com. I would highly recommend it. I feel like it should be on everybody's coffee table, um, and I look look forward to getting my copy as well. Well, thanks again, Sean. It, it's just been great having you on, um, and look forward, hopefully, to keeping in touch with you this this podcast of roadhouse itself will be coming to a close soon but we're not going to be done sort of interacting with roadhouse so maybe we can try to catch up with you again sometime in the future anytime this is such a pleasure thank you both for having me thanks for coming well thank you once again for listening to another episode of roadhouse minute please if you can rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app come and join us on facebook at the new double deuce we're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rhminute, and you can email us at Dalton says be nice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now. Bye.